Imagine this question right here in front of you this morning. Imagine discovering a treasure worth $17 billion. Just think about that question for a moment. That's a pretty intense discovery, would it not be? If you were to discover a treasure that was worth $17 billion, I'm sure you would jump and click your heels together, would you not? CNN Travel recently reported that researchers and government officials have been searching for a Spanish ship that sank over 300 years ago carrying gold, silver, and precious stones worth $17 billion in today's currency. The search for the San Jose has been referred to as the search of the Holy Grail of shipwrecks. Until a few weeks ago, very few people knew that the Holy Grail of shipwrecks had been discovered off the coast of Colombia in 2015. Anybody know that? The San Jose was a 62-gun, three-masted ship, and the it uh, excuse me, and was the flagship of the Spanish fleet in the 1600s, mid to late 1600s. But in 1708, it was carrying gold, silver, and treasure from Panama to Colombia, when it encountered a fierce battle with the British ships. And on June 8, 1708, the British decimated the San Jose but was unable to retrieve any of the treasure before it sank to the bottom of the ocean. The loss of the treasure on that day was so valuable that it caused financial hardships to merchants throughout all of Europe and the New World, North America. In 2015, the San Jose was discovered by researchers using an unmanned underwater Remus 6000, the same unmanned vessel that they used to discover that the Titanic in the Atlantic Ocean. They discovered the San Jose at a depth of 900 meters. But the exact location still remains a state secrecy because governments and world organizations, as you could imagine, are trying to figure out who owns the rights to the massive treasure of $17 billion. It's no secret this morning that treasure seekers spend their entire lives searching for treasure, plunging themselves to the depths of an ocean or scaling the highest mountain peaks, wading through intense jungles, jungles and braving extreme weather elements just for a shot at discovering treasure, hidden treasure. Could you imagine that you are the one looking through a screen, or looking at a screen, when they discovered the San Jose at 900 meters and discovered that this treasure was very, very valuable. However, there are very few people willing to search for the most valuable treasure of all treasures. Do you want know what it is this morning? It's wisdom. When was the last time somebody came to you and said, I am searching for the greatest treasure of all treasures that the world can know, and that is wisdom. I don't know about you, but I've never had anybody come to me and say they're searching for the treasure called wisdom. I've had them come and say they're looking for grandma's locket, or they're looking for grandpa's heirloom, or they're looking for this, or they're looking for that that was lost, and they're trying to find it again because it's significant or meaningful in some way to their life, or some treasure that they've heard about, and they're trying to find it desperately. But I've never had a person come up to me and go, I'm searching for the greatest treasure of all treasures. And I go, what, what, what is that? And they go, wisdom. I've never had anybody say that 
Sadly, we don't even realize or perhaps want to realize that the most prized treasure of all treasures in this entire world is a treasure called wisdom. A.W. Tozer made this observation about wisdom when he said, the person who has God for his treasure has all things in one. Think about that for a moment. In other words, Tozer was saying this, God is the only treasure we need. God is the only treasure that we need because he has everything that we would possibly need. I want to welcome you to our summer series. For the next 12 weeks, we are looking at Proverbs Wisdom. And over these 12 weeks, we'll be looking at 12 important passages of Scripture from the book of Proverbs. And uh, we could take a decade, 10 years, to look at the book of Proverbs, verse by verse. There's so much goodness in the book of Proverbs, but we're only going to hit the highlights for the next 12 weeks. When we read the opening line of Proverbs 1.1, this is what you'll find in your Bibles, the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. When you read that verse in chapter 1, verse 1, you would automatically begin to assume that you're about to start to read short, clever sayings that will pack a punch for some kind of wisdom for a good life. Immediately, you would think that. But instead, what you discover in the book of Proverbs is 10 long, unified speeches from a father to his son with four poems from Lady, Lady Wisdom to Humanity. That's what you find in the book of Proverbs. It's not until chapter 10 that we begin to realize that there are Proverbs themselves. Understandably, the structure of the book of Proverbs seems a little bit awkward, especially since you have nine chapters as an introduction before you actually get to the Proverbs. Proverbs is definitely different than any previous book in the Old Testament, if you know anything about the Old Testament, you'll see this. Different than the Torah, it's different than the books of the prophets, which are direct commands from God. Let's go to the, the Ten Commandments. What does God say in the Ten Commandments? Thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not covet, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. There's a lot of them. There's ten of them. And honor your father and your mother. There's, there's lots of commands that we find in the Torah and the Pentateuchs and the Torah. And then we jump over into the prophets and we see that they are direct commands given to the prophets to share to God's people. The basis of the authority in the, in the first bunch of books before you get to Proverbs is the authority of God, direct authority from God. The basis of the authority in the wisdom literatures, which would be Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, is very different than the Torah and the prophet, the books of the prophet. What you find in the wisdom books is God addressing Israel like a dad talks to his child. If, if you want to turn to Proverbs chapter 1, verse 8, that's exactly what we find right out of the gate in the book of Proverbs. My child, listen, when your father corrects you, don't neglect your mother's instruction. Now, there are probably parents in this room going, yes, I'm going to go home and quote that to my child. In the wisdom literature books, in the, in the wisdom literature books of the Old Testament, there is an abrupt switch from... Thus saith the Lord, King James Version, thou shalt not to listen to your parents. The book of Proverbs is not merely human wisdom. Some of it is. But it's not merely human wisdom of Solomon passing on 
wisdom to his son or to his children or collective wisdom that has been passed down from generation to generation, but it is more of God's wisdom being revealed to us. And in a way, through our human wisdom, we hope to gain a deeper, wiser, better understanding of divine wisdom that comes from God. So this summer, we're looking at 12, as I said earlier, 12 high points from 10 speeches to the Son and four poems that are given to us by Lady Wisdom in our quest for divine wisdom. So let's jump right in. We're going to start in Proverbs chapter 3 this morning, starting at verse 1, and we're going to go down to verse 6. My child, never forget the things I have taught you. Store my commands in your heart. Then in verse 2, if you do this, you will live many years and your life will be satisfying. Verse 3, never let loyalty and kindness leave you. Tie them around your neck as a reminder. Write them deep within your heart. Then in verse 4, then you will find favor with both God and people and you will earn a good reputation. Then in verse 5, <clears throat> trust, say this with me church, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and do not depend on your own understanding. Then in verse 6, say this with me church, seek his will and all you do and he will show you which path to take. Chapter 3 begins with another encouragement for the reader to embrace the wisdom being instructed. So the father to the son. So the father is instructing the son some wisdom for him to embrace these wise sayings that he has given to him. Solomon presents several cycles in, in throughout the book of Proverbs, but in this chapter as well, chapter 3, and this is the cycle that's happening. He gives instructions, and if you heed these instructions, there are benefits. So the, throughout, throughout the book of Proverbs, when you read it, this summer hopefully, you will discover over and over again there's instruction given, and if you heed the instruction and live out the instruction, then there are definite benefits. And that's the wisdom. Instruction, live it out, then you have the benefit. In verses 1 and 2 of chapter 3, we see this. I'll just kind of rephrase them again for you. Store your commands in your heart. Store my commands in your heart. And what's the benefit? The benefit is that you will live many years and your life will be very satisfying. So there's the instruction. There is the benefit. Then in verse 3 and 4, we see never let loyalty and kindness leave you. And here's the benefit. You will find favor with God and man and have a good reputation. So there's instruction. You live out this instruction. And these are the benefits. But in verse 5, we begin to discover and uncover the gem of chapter 3, Proverbs. Trust in the Lord, Solomon writes. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Say that again with me, church. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. In verse 5, we see this. Wisdom is trusting God. Say that with me. Wisdom is is trusting God. Solomon is urging his son to trust God completely and totally by declaring, trust the Lord your God with all of your what? Heart. With all of your heart. It is a level of trust that avoids dependence on personal or human understanding. I'll say that again for you. It is a level of trust that avoids dependence 
and personal, on personal or human understanding. In other words, it is the trust that goes beyond our understanding and enters the realm of faith. That's the level of trust that we're talking about. It goes beyond our level of understanding and enters, enters into the realm of faith. When John Calvinoff, was, uh, who was a noted and famous atheist, not atheist, ethicist, went to Calcutta, uh, that is somebody who studies ethics if you're wondering, he was seeking Mother Teresa. He went to spend three months to work at the House of the Dying in Calcutta so that he could determine what he wanted to do with the rest of his life. His goal was to meet Mother Teresa. And when he met her on one day, he asked Mother Teresa, would you pray for me? And she said, what would you want me to pray for you about? And he said, I pray, or I'm asking for you to pray for me that I will have clarity. Pray that I will have clarity. No, Mother Teresa said. I will not pray that you will have clarity. I will not do that. When he asked her why she would not pray for him for clarity in his life, she said, clarity is the last thing that you need. You're clinging to it and you must let go. Kalvinoff then responded to Mother Teresa on how she seemed to have clarity in her life, and he was only looking for that kind of clarity for his own life. And Mother Teresa laughed at him and said this, Listen, church, I have never had clarity. Mother Teresa said, I have never had clarity. What I have has always been trust. So I pray that you will trust God. I've never had clarity. What I've always had is trust. And I pray that you will trust God. Clarity. Life purpose. Wisdom. Direction. It is trusting God completely. It is trusting God completely. And Paul gives us this insight on trusting God in Romans chapter 11. We're going to read a few verses starting at verse 33. Oh, how great are God's riches and wisdom and knowledge. How impossible it is for us to understand His decisions and His ways. And verse 34, who can know the Lord's thoughts? Great question from the Apostle Paul. Who knows enough to give Him advice? And verse 35, and who has given Him so much that He needs to pay it back? And then in the next verse 36, for, say this with me, church, for everything comes from Him and exists by His power as intended for His glory. All glory to Him forever. Amen. Wisdom is trusting God. There are things in this life that are unclear. Would you not agree with me this morning? There are some things in this life that we go, I need clarity on this. I do not understand this. I, it's just beyond me. Tell me what's going on here. Give me some clarity. There are things about God that are unclear where we're seeking clarity about God and who He is and, and what God does and how God operates. And sometimes there's a lack of clarity even when it comes to God and there's lack of clarity when it comes to what God does. Like, God, why did you do that? And why are you doing this? And we're seeking clarity on all of these things in our life. And this lack of clarity often gives way to an overwhelming confusion. I'm confused. 
I'm confused about life. I'm confused about what's going on in my life. I'm confused about God, and I'm confused about what God is doing in this world and in my life. Solomon's advice, it's solid this morning. Paul's advice, it's solid this morning. What are those two writers telling us to do this morning? They are saying to us two words. Trust God. Trust God. Stop seeking clarity and simply trust God. Now that leaves our personal limits and our personal knowledge and enters into a realm that we call faith in the church where we are actually placing our faith in God that God's ways are greater than our ways and God's thoughts are greater than our thoughts and God's ways are more powerful than our ways and so God I may not have clarity on this but I'm trusting you that goes beyond all human reasoning does it not because God's wisdom is so much and so far superior than our wisdom. Let me just level with you this morning, and I want you to know that I love you, even those who are watching online. I don't even know who you are this morning, but I love you too. But this statement, you may not think I love you, but I do love you this morning, and this is it. Wisdom is about trusting God, and stupidity is about trusting yourself. Are you okay this morning? Stupid was a very dirty word in our house growing up. Um, with our boys, we would always say, you're swearing if you use the word stupid, but this morning I'm breaking my own host rule and telling you that you are stupid if you trust yourself. You are smart and wise, according to Solomon, who's writing the book of Proverbs, if you do what? Trust God. Trusting in our wisdom is a declaration that we know better than what God knows and that we think we have it figured out better than God has it figured out. And we think that we are better than God when we say, I'm not trusting you, God, I'm trusting myself. Trusting in God is not a surface-level trust. It is a wholehearted trust in God's incomprehensive ways that are completely trustworthy for us this morning. Solomon is communicating to his son in the book of Proverbs, and he is saying to his son, trust God with all your heart. What does that mean, trust God with all your heart? He was describing to his son, and he is describing to us this morning too, that this level of trust, trusting God with everything, with all of your heart, it covers your emotion, it covers your intellectual, it covers your spiritual components of your life, your heart, mind, soul, and body. It covers it all. A person who trusts in the Lord and acknowledges Him, not a nod of recognition, oh yes, God, I trust you. Not that. But an intimate knowledge that you trust God will lead you to discovering the path for your life. It sounds weird, but it's so true. The more you trust God, the more sense of direction God gives you. The less you trust God, the less sense of direction you'll have. Solomon writes about this. What are the benefits of those who trust God fully with their life and their whole heart, their mind, body, soul, and spirit? Well, Solomon shares in verses 10, 25, and 26. This is what he shares. If you trust God, in verse 10 he said, so here's this 
instruction, and if you follow the instruction, here's the benefit, here's what, here's what Solomon is saying, when, uh, then he will fill your barns with grain and your vats will overflow with good wine. And then he goes on down in verse 25, you need not be afraid of sudden disaster or destruction that comes upon the wicked. Verse 26, for the Lord is your what? He's your security. He will keep your foot from being caught in the trap. He will keep your foot from being caught in the trap. Wisdom is trusting God and not trusting yourself. That's what wisdom is this morning. Wisdom is trusting God and not trusting yourself. So let me ask you a question this morning. Do you trust God? Do you trust God? Do you wholeheartedly, not just a nod, but everything that is in you and of you, do you trust God? Do you lean on your understanding or do you lean on God's understanding? J.I. Packer made a profound statement on the wisdom of trusting God. He said this, not until we have become humble and teachable, standing in awe of God's holiness and sovereignty, acknowledging our own littleness. And then he goes on to say this, say it with me, trust at church, distrusting our own thoughts and willing to have our minds turned upside down can divine wisdom become ours. Not until we stop trusting ourselves and trusting God does divine wisdom show up in our life. Amen, church? Wisdom is not trusting your thoughts but trusting God's. Wisdom is not trusting your ways, because I guarantee you, your ways will get your foot in a trap. But trusting God's ways, who says, if you trust me in my wisdom, I will keep your foot from getting caught in a trap. Trusting God is trusting for His divine wisdom unleashed in us make it so jesus amen make it so from verse 7 we see this in in chapter 3 verse 7 uh, don't be impressed with your own wisdom how do you like uh, solomon's wisdom here so far don't be impressed with your own wisdom instead say this with me church fear the lord and turn away from evil again what does uh, so this leads us to the second point this morning and it's this wisdom is what church it's fearing God. Again, what does Solomon write? He writes this in verse 7. Don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Just don't. Don't pat yourself on the back that you think you're wise. Instead, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Obviously, Solomon recognized that anyone impressed with their own wisdom would eventually fall into a pit called pride. That if we pat ourselves on the back long enough and we are impressed with our own knowledge and go look at me i'm a smart cookie i i'm the the smartest kid on the block if we continually do that solomon knew that we would end up in the pit of pride paul reminds us to be careful about our pride when he says in chapter 12 verse 16 in the book of romans live in harmony with each other don't be too what proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people then he says this say it with me church and don't think you know it all 
Now, if I could say anything and just close the book up and say, that's the benediction, that would, this would be it right here. Don't go around saying, I know it all, because you don't know it all. Pride always consumes the heart and life of a know-it-all smarty-pants person. Pride always says and tells you that you know it all, that you are the best, that you are the tops. C.S. Lewis made this point on pride, on pride when he said, a proud, mount, a proud man is always looking down on things and people. And of course, he goes on to say, as long as you are looking down, you cannot see something that is what? That is above you. If you are filled with pride, you cannot keep your eyes on God. That's basically what he is saying. If you're filled with pride, you cannot keep your eyes on God. Solomon was pretty clear on turning away from evil. So how does anyone ever turn away from evil? By fearing the Lord. How do we turn away from evil? By fearing the Lord. It's not the first time Solomon made such a statement. In, in Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7, here's what he says right in the very first book of Proverbs. Fear, the fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. Fear of the Lord is the foundation of knowledge. There are three types of fear in life. There are, there's what I call healthy fear, and then there's harmful fear, and there's holy fear. Healthy fear is the fear that of doing something dangerous or threatening of your life like climbing a 30-foot tree and jumping out of it thinking you can fly that's just that's a that's a that's a healthy fear if you don't do that that's just stupidity if you do do that or like touching a hot stove that's a healthy fear you if you touch a hot stove you're going to burn your fingers don't do that or ra riding a raging bull that's that's a healthy fear now now some people do that that's they don't have a healthy fear but most of us the healthy fear would be don't ride a raging bull. They are fears that protect us and fears that help us and preserve our life. But then there's harmful fear. Harmful fear is the consequence of sin. Fear of failure, fear of inadequacy, fear of rejection, fear of uh, subordination. They are fears that steal our faith and steal our joy and destroy our life. They're harmful fears. Then there's holy fear. Holy fear is the fear of the Lord. Say that with me, church. Holy fear is the fear of the Lord. It's not a fear that, that is afraid of the Lord that the big shoe is going to drop at any moment, but a fear that is in awe of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is an overwhelming reverence and respect for the greatness and goodness and gloriousness of God's nature. Remember what Isaiah the prophet said as he stood in the presence of the holy God? Woe is me. I'm unworthy to be here. Strike me dead, for I am sinful. And what happens? An angel flies around and grabs a coal and touches his lips and makes him holy so he can be in the presence of God. Isaiah realized just how holy and great and good and glorious God is. He had a holy fear of God. When we catch a glimpse of the wisdom and glory and majesty of God, it brings a revelation of holy fear to our life. A fear that if we live in our own wisdom, we will be doomed to failure, which we will. 
I love the clarity of the book of Psalms that, that it brings to holy fear. In Psalms 130, we're going to read a couple of verses here. Lord, if you kept a record of our sins, who, oh Lord, could ever survive? I am so thankful that Jesus Christ forgives us of our sins and throws it into the sea of forgetfulness and never to remember it anymore. Because if God was keeping a record, that's that's what the psalmist is saying. But you offer what? Forgiveness. That we might learn to fear you. To understand how great and mighty and majestic and glorious you are and how insignificant we are but yet through your grace and your mercy we learn to be more like you and you empower us with your holy spirit he goes on to say in verse 5 i am counting on the lord yes i am counting on him i have put my hope in his what word so my question is this morning do you have a holy fear here's the thing about holy fear if you want to know anything about holy fear, and I'm not trying to be smart this morning in minimizing holy fear. But here's the thing about holy fear. If we fear God, we will fear nothing else. If we fear God, we will fear nothing else. If we fear everything else, we'll never fear God. Oswald Chambers said this. He said, the remarkable thing about God is that when you fear God, you fear nothing else. Then it goes on to say this, whereas if you do not fear God, you fear everything else. Wisdom is about trusting God with our whole heart, with our whole mind, with our whole body. Wisdom is about fearing God, understanding who He is, and understanding His glory and majesty and how we need Him to operate in our life. But the third thing that we're going to look at out of this Proverb 3 is this one, verse 9. Here's what, the Proverb, here's what Solomon wrote. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything that you produce. Here's the third wisdom that we want to sh- I want to share with you this morning. Number three, wisdom is honoring God. Say that with me. Wisdom is honoring God. From the early hours of After Adam and Eve were expelled from the Garden of Genesis, we see the common practice for God's people throughout Scripture is to honor God. To honor God with our very best. Before putting gas in our tank of our vehicle, before putting groceries on our table, before putting money into our bank account, God is the first to receive. We may not like that this morning, but that is wisdom. What happens when we honor God first? What happens when we honor God first? As you will discover throughout the book of Proverbs, there is a cycle of instructions followed by benefits. We see it in chapter 3. We see it in almost all the chapters. If you observe this instruction, this is what happens. By honoring God first, the barns will be overflowing and our vats will overflow with new wine in verse 10. There are so many ways that we can honor God. We honor God with our praise. We honor God with our worship. We honor God by by serving others. There are so many ways in this life that we honor God. But for most Christ followers, but for most Christ followers, the very last way we honor God 
is with our resources, with our bank accounts, which I don't know if you would agree with me or not, but I consider it a dishonor when we don't. Another way we honor God, according to Proverbs 3, is in dealing with other people. So we honor God by giving God our first. And what happens if we don't honor God with our first? Well, if you don't believe what I'm saying, go back and study what happened to Cain and Abel. And they brought their offerings before God. If you want to jump into the New Testament, go to the book of Acts. What did Ananias and Sapphira do? And they said, well, we sold this and we're giving this to the Lord. And they actually held back some money. They didn't give God their first. They carry them out because God struck them dead. Honor God with your first. So God, we are honoring God with our first, but we also honor God by helping others. Look in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 27. Do not withhold good from those who deserve it when it's in your power to help them. And then in verse 28. If you can help your neighbor now, don't say come back tomorrow and then I'll help you. So wisdom is about honoring God, but it is also about honoring other people helping other people. J.O. Kraft, founder of the Kraft Cheese Corporation, I'm sure you've had Kraft cheese before, gave approximately 25% of his enormous income to God and the church. For many years, he would say this statement right here, the only investment I ever made which has paid consistently, has paid consistently increasing dividends is the money that I gave to the Lord. Honoring God and honoring other people. Wisdom is three things this morning from Proverbs 3. It is about trusting God. It is about fearing God. And it is about honoring God. There are many people who believe all the things that I've shared this morning, probably in this room and watching online, but do not live what they believe. In order for the treasure wisdom to be active in our life, belief and behavior must work together. They are not inseparable. So many times our belief and behavior, they work opposite. In order for true wisdom to be found in our life, divine wisdom, the wisdom that Solomon was talking about in the book of Proverbs, he is saying that belief and behavior must work together. And when it does, some remarkable things happen. Look at Proverbs chapter 3, verse 13. Joyful is the person who finds wisdom, the one who gains understanding. Then look at verse 14. For wisdom is more profitable than silver, and her wages are better than gold. Say that with me, church. Let's just go back to that verse again. For wisdom is more profitable than silver, and her wages are better than gold. Then in verse 15, wisdom is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. Imagine discovering a treasure worth $17 billion. I can't even imagine. Then imagine finding a treasure that is far greater and $17 billion. The treasure of wisdom by trusting God, by 
trusting him with our whole heart, with our whole mind, with our whole spirit, our whole body, by having a healthy fear of God, by understanding who he is, how majestic and great and powerful he is, and then by honoring God, by giving to him and by helping others. Imagine discovering a treasure that's more profitable than gold, silver, or precious jewels. A treasure called wisdom. Lord, make all of us wiser and better because we've trusted you, because we've honored you, because we feared you, because we've followed you. Would you bow your heads, close your eyes this morning? I want to pray for us this morning. I feel this morning that there may be someone in this room and maybe even watching online today that's lived life a little foolish. Can I even use the word stupid? You've been going on your own resources. You've been operating with your own knowledge. You haven't really made much room for God at all in your life. But something clicked this morning and you realize that you need less of yourself and more of Him, more of God, more of His wisdom. You need to trust Him more. You need to step outside of, of your reason, your reasoning mind, and just have faith and trust Him because He is a trustworthy God this morning. That you need, you've operated with an unhealthy fear of God and, and you just want to know who God is and the, the nature of God and, and the only fear in your life is that if you're not living for Him what may happen that you want to honor Him if that's you this morning I'd love for you to slip up your hand and slip it back down and we'll pray for you this week that, that you're asking for more divine wisdom more of God's wisdom that Proverbs Solomon is talking about yes thank you just slip it up put it back down and and we will pray for you as a staff this week. We'll lift you up. Thank you. Lots of hands. Father God, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for who you are. You are such a loving and gracious God. And so many times we feel so unworthy like Isaiah standing in your presence. And then other times in our life we feel like we just know it all but we realize that we don't know it all. If we don't right this moment, we will at some point. And so today it's our declaration that we want more of the wisdom that comes from you, God. That we die to ourselves and we trust you. That we step out into that realm of faith and we place our trust in you, God, with our whole heart. That we have a better and greater understanding of who you are and what that means for our life. And that we honor you and we honor others. It's a great way to live that will be wise. And there will be people who will say, how come you're so wise? And we will say, it's not me. It's you. It's God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God the Father. Thank you, Holy Spirit as you guide and direct us, as you empower wisdom to those who slip their hand up this morning, 
for those who are sitting home on their sofa asking for prayer, we pray that you would impart your wisdom that we would live wiser and more holy for you, empowered by your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name.